This is the Generation Gap, presented by me, Claudia, and him, Clive. Hello. In this programme, we are going to explore differences and similarities of being a teenager now and in past generations. I am a 21st century girl, and Clive is a baby boomer. That is a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s. What are the differences and similarities in the way that we live our lives? We are going to try and find out. This is the Generation Gap Show on 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap Show here with me, Clive. And with me, Claudia. And Claudia's in charge today. You'll see what that means. I am the boss today. Yes. And today we are going to bring back some of our old traditions due to our last show. We've got a brand new thing, which is a robot spot. Yeah, we talk about robots and artificial intelligence all the time, so we thought we'd just have a little slot every week because this is probably something we can talk about. Yes. And another one, a millennial... Millennial... What did we call it? Well, I think it's the, the subject of millennials turns up every week now in papers and news, and a lot of it's actually a bit hostile and a bit negative, and I think we want to counter that and say, here's the positive stuff. Yes. So a millennial... Happy, happy news. Yeah, that's happy it. news. Now, I was just uh, looking in a shop today and saw they're selling all these um, portable record players, you know, record players. Oh, wow. And so you could actually go back and play these things on a record. That is quite deck. cool. That is wicked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About, we were going to have a discussion about the Google Box. Yes, Google Box. Now, um, I believe at Christmas you told me that you, in fact, had one of these new Google... Yes. I can't remember what they're called. They're called Google Boxes. Okay. Well, it's basically a box which um, is connected up to Google and you can talk to it. Yes. My mum actually really likes this thing. She's getting into it a lot more than she, she thought she would. And it's actually hers, so it's her voice that is the main person that controls the box really i understand it can learn up to six different voices yes so it does know my voice but um if i want to change something my mum has to do it oh okay yeah something like that clever google clever google um but then again i'm quite amazed that my that the google box understands my mum's english because it's a bit broken sometimes Right, well, I say it recognises a voice and that it may perhaps query some words, but it's it's basically a different way of searching using these standard Google things. Um, yeah, you know, you so can... basically you say, OK, Google, what's the weather like outside? And Google goes, outside, it's five degrees and you might need an umbrella. OK, but I mean, the, the issue is, because um, we always a bit worry about technology, obviously it's switched on in your house, it's turned on all the time, it's listening all the time. Yes. In theory... It only activates when you say, hey, Google, I believe, yes. or you can train it to say something else. But you don't know if it's not listening and recording effectively every conversation you have in the house. Yeah, because occasionally it does breathe. Occasionally it shows, because usually when you talk to it, then um, you see white lights on it. And occasionally it goes red. When you don't talk to it, it, it goes red. So it's breathing, I think. <laughs> You're that's, giving it lots of human characteristics. That's my that's my um, analysis of, of the situation. Okay, but now some people buy several of them and put them in different rooms, like one in the kitchen and one in the bedroom, for example. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. We're not like that. No, no, no. Uh, that's a bit strange because you can hear everything. 
the Google box can hear everything. Yeah, well, presumably, that's what I'm thinking. And it must do something with it. It must, obviously, it's filed you away, that particular house, your address, the names of people in your house. And it probably cross-references with it. You've got a Google account, if you have. And it's starting to build up that big profile so it knows everything about you. And all the questions you ask, it'll file away and it'll say, you know, you're really interested in St Albans, for example, because you ask lots of questions about it, or you're really into a particular type of music and so on. And that will all be stored away somewhere, so it'll come back one day and, so, you know, they'll be, they'll be offering you things, you know, would you like a new house in St Albans, would you like to buy this or whatever, or obviously all the back albums from that particular band that you've asked about. Or they can hear some secrets and then use it against us. Exactly. That's not good. Well, if, for example, you say, you know, go into my bank account and tell me how much money's there, um, and it will find that for you, then it's obviously filed that away somewhere. You yes. know, It knows your bank account. It knows how much money you've got. The passwords. Exactly. Well, I hope you wouldn't tell it the passwords, but, you know, that's the point. How would it get in without a password? And then one day when some hackers break into the system and find all your details, you'll find your bank's got nothing in it. See, this is the problem. Like, I think last week I was very... Um annoyed about the whole artificial intelligence thing but this is why i have a problem with it because once it something's stored in a computer you can't really get rid of it no it's there forever on the internet exactly so then it already is if you've been using google to search for anything you know by typing in things or speaking to your phone or whatever all of that is stored away basically somewhere already yes so Kind of if you do that for uh, younger people like you, you know, start when you are sort of got your first phone, you might be 11, 12-year-olds, um, your whole life has basically been recorded away for you. That is a bit scary, isn't it? It's I need to change my name and go live in a cabin in the woods somewhere and just disappear off the radar. Off-grid, they off-grid, call it. Off-grid, that's yes, it. it. Yes. Well, you can do that, but I mean, I'm not sure it's necessarily a good idea either because that will mark you out. You know, they'll sort of say, oh, you know, someone who's not complying with the rules. Oh, that's definitely me. Yeah. That sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, and you're listening to the Generation Gap Show with me, Claudia. And me, Clive. Um, Anyway, so Google Boxes, we've had a chat about Google Boxes and how they might be listening to everything you're doing. And actually, your phones, your phones... um, save everything that you search and everything that you've ever said to it what about siri do you think siri listens to everything well yes i mean they all they all do the same sort of principle i think the other thing is that um you know when you're searching for things because it's artificial intelligence behind it or will be it'll make deductions so for example supposing you type in the name of some um medical uh condition or maybe you type in the name of a medicine that perhaps your doctor's recommended to you something like that it'll register that and the artificial intelligence say ah you're interested in this particular medicine and that's normally a treatment for this and this and this so therefore perhaps you're suffering from that disease and therefore i will refer you yes and so advertising other things and so it makes these deductions because it knows that these things are connected it makes all those connections um, and that's the sort of thing which will build up over time. 
So at some point in the future, for example, and again, don't know if it happens, but, you know, you go for a job and they do various checks on you, including perhaps look at your Facebook page. Um, but they also look at um, other things. And it may be that Google will offer a service to businesses saying, we'll give you a profile of all the people who might apply for jobs with you. And you say, oh, look, this person 20 years ago um, was looking into issues about this particular disease. I wonder if it's gone on and perhaps now they're actually suffering from it and whatever. And so all these things could add up. And I mean, obviously, it requires a lot of data to be used in the permissions and data protection all the rest of it issues. But nevertheless, I feel it's fairly inevitable that at some point in the future, these things could be used against you or in favour of you. I mean, it may be that you were looking up things which give a very positive view of you. Interesting. That is a really interesting thing you just said. Well, I think the concern, perhaps in some ways, is insurance companies, particularly if you're going for like things like life insurance. If they find that 20 years ago you were looking up some disease which they know kills people when they're sort of 55 years old, then maybe they'll think, oh, well, you know, we don't want to cover this person because they're going to die of that disease soon because we know they're suffering from it or we know they took medication related to it. See, I mean, I'm being paranoid in some ways, but I'm doing it deliberately to exaggerate the issue. But I think that you have to think about this. So All those things that are really personal to you will be out there. So I have a question for you, because obviously this is a very 21st century thing and it's very new, I think, in the world. And it's only at a peak of development and it's going to develop in my children's lifetime sort of thing. Probably in your lifetime, let alone your children yeah. or grandchildren, yes. So um, what do you think about it? As a baby boomer and as a um, someone who's from back then <laughs> yes i'm so old you can say that i mean well obviously in the past you have various trust relationships you have a trust relationship with your doctors for example and you know there's a paper file sitting in a filing cabinet somewhere in your doctor's surgery or a hospital which has got all sorts of details about your medical conditions and various things you've gone to the doctor about if you had an operation that sort of stuff and it's sitting there in a paper file in a hospital and you think okay as long as they're looking after it and that's locked away fine in future, all of that information might be put onto a database or lots of databases and is effectively available to anybody in the world. I mean, obviously, it's protected in many ways, but you, we all know that people can break into data systems and so on. Um, and that combined with other things about you, where you live, um, all sorts of other things, um, can build a complete picture. So what I think I'm looking at is that in future, governments and big companies effectively will be able to know an awful lot of stuff about pretty much everybody in the world. Because there's, you know, a few billion people in the world, but these days the computers are quite capable of keeping that many records, and in future they certainly will be. So you're getting to a point where pretty much anybody in, say, a government somewhere could look you up and find a lot of information about you, much, much more than you would expect, not just, you know, name and address and telephone numbers, whatever. They'd have loads of information about you. Um, which obviously, in most cases, most people are respectable, well-behaved citizens, so it's not a problem. Uh, if you've done something bad, then maybe that'll be there. But it isn't the bad things that you've done or not done. It's all about you in things like your medical conditions or perhaps your work you've done. They might think, oh, we don't want anybody, we're not going to put, give a job to someone who worked once for this, you know, or did that particular job or knows about that particular subject. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just all these little things can come together. And I think it's hard to anticipate how they'll be used, but, you know, they will be used. But, I mean, as a as a as someone from your generation where these things didn't seem to exist back then, because 
maybe you had some sort of um, some sort of network going on. However, it wasn't as big as a global as global as 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 it is right now. No, that's the point. I mean, I think it's all going to be connected together. All those things which are different and are separate at the moment, because the police might have a record about something, and the hospital might have a record, and I don't know. Your local council's got records of the fact you know of various complaints you've made about the bins not being collected or whatever. So, you know, maybe they'd add it all up. Look, this person's complained their bins weren't empty. They've complained about this, that, and the other things going on. So basically, they're a bit of a nuisance. We don't want somebody like that. We want someone who does what we tell them to do. So if they don't want someone like that, what's going to happen to them? Well, you might not get a job, oh. for example. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, but like the old communist regimes where, you know, if you misbehaved... Ooh. You misbehaved, then your family um, suffered so that your children didn't get good school places, didn't get a place at university, weren't allowed to travel abroad. And, you know, there was a file which basically said, you know, this, this family, the father in that family or the mother in that family is basically not a good person by our measure, so therefore we're going to punish their family. So is it good or is it bad, the way things have changed? The way things changed? Well, it's, it's like most things, you know. Uh, I think that there's... A potential for good and a potential for bad. The good side is obviously the the medical research things are being done with lots of records from real people, and they are beginning to um, identify ways of dealing with particular medical complaints, for example, which may produce cures and all the rest of it. We we discussed this before, um, but equally it could be used against you, and that's the that's the issue. Okay. So it needs some strong government control of data. And that ain't going to happen, I suspect. We are the radio station for St Albans. Radio Verulam. I think we're going to have a little extra chat about the dreaded AI because mm-hmm. there's a story which I came across last week which is quite interesting, although a bit scary because it actually confirms all the worst things that you might imagine. And this is in um, China. Obviously, China has a huge population of over a billion people, and the Chinese government obviously is very much in control. They are very strict with the people, and people have to sort of stay in line. Um, And to prove this, they are using artificial intelligence and latest technology to create a database of all their citizens, is one thing, but they're also using this database in a rather scary way. Basically, they're taking photos of everybody, um, and they've got 600 million people already registered in their database, which is, I suppose, a bit over half the population of the country. Um, and that's a facial recognition system. So those 600 million people, if they walk around in various cities and places in China, they'll be picked up by the cameras, and the camera will say, ding, that's so-and-so. And they'll know who that person is, and they've got a file on them, basically, on the computer. But it's more than that. They're using it to have a good citizen um, campaign. And basically, if you're a Chinese citizen and, you know, you're basically good, you do what you're told, you've got a job, you work hard, you do everything you're told and, and your family do the right things as well, then you will be offered sort of citizen points. And they've got a point system. And if you do good things, you get extra points. But if you do something bad, and I don't know what bad is, but obviously if you perhaps go on to a social media site and say something rude about the government, um, then that will be noted and you'll be marked down a bit and take some points off you. And these points are then used for things like vouchers to go to the better shops to buy the nicer food, or you can go to a better restaurant. Um, Your children will be offered places at a better school or not, and so on. And it's basically a real control system. Um, And it's working on the sort of nudge principle where they basically, they're not 
sending around the police to deal with you, but they're making it known that they're doing this system so that you have to behave and conform with what they want, and then you get points. But if you sort of strike out against that or do something they don't like, then they take points away from you and you suffer and your family suffers as a consequence. Now, obviously, the Chinese government is a sort of a totalitarian communist government. Uh, you might expect them to try and do this. But the thing is, the technology has got to a point where they can actually contemplate doing this and they're just doing it. I just think that's crazy, don't you think that's a bit... But then again, someone like China, you'd expect them to try and do something like that. So my question is, when you have a certain amount of points, what do you get? Do you get something special? Well, I don't think it adds, like, it's not like nectar points or something, but basically they've got a system which is, is giving you um, credit for good what they regard as good things, which is basically behaving yourself, and take them away. And those those are used in different ways. As I said, you know, you, your children may be offered a school place at a better school or a worse school, depending on how well you're going. Your job, you might lose your job if you've done something bad, but you might be offered a much better job if you're a good good guy, basically. That's the way it works. I don't like it, because that's just a f- another form of control. Well, it's completely and, control, yes. Yeah. And I just don't think I could live in a world where I'm I'm being limited or restricted well okay so don't go and live in china is the answer yes um i mean it's probably unlikely that governments in the west or in other places would be able to do that but the technology will allow them to do so even if they don't then apply the same sorts of rules and i think it's a fairly scary idea and of course at the moment um as we said earlier it's not just governments doing that it's actually big companies because somewhere like google or facebook or apple they're bigger than most of the governments in the country in the world Mm. basically and so they have more power over you perhaps than and governments do very scary thought mm. so do you trust those two guys who run google as it were to look after your best interests mm. but i there, there must be some sort of connection between the companies and the governments well there are but largely it's the, the um, companies are helping governments in various ways so they're sort of earning brownie points with them because they're doing research using information they're providing services and so on and yes it's an uneasy thing i mean always we've had this thing about big companies and governments working together i mean in the past in the 1960s in america there was obsessions about the military uh, the armies and so on working with the companies that make aircraft and guns and so on and that's obviously still the case because if the army wants lots of guns they've got to have somebody make them for them um, oh my gosh so every now and then you have to invent a war so you can buy lots of guns do you know what okay here's my advice here's my advice okay um everyone out there you just have to be really happy like enjoy what you have enjoy the sunshine don't worry about no wars don't worry about nothing and remember everyone has a purpose on the world in the world and things will be okay like just focus on what you're doing and it will all be okay okay the discussion we just had though does again reflect that i and maybe it's my age is part of that obviously i do read lots of things in the newspapers i do watch television listen to radio reports about these things so i'm kind of aware of all these things out there which and then i put a sort of very pessimistic view over them perhaps and you as a young person have a much more optimistic view of the world everything's fine and if you don't do things bad then things won't happen to you i just have to point out that i don't actually watch the news anymore and i don't actually read any new newspapers but i do read as in read books and like you know um enhance my learning and stuff so maybe that's the difference maybe you you need to stop watching the news 
I think that's a good point. But of course, it's again, I just feel, well, okay, it's all happening out there. I know it's all happening and I want to know what's going on. That's another that's another addiction in a way, because I think I think the media in a way is not helping the situation because they're telling you that all these bad things are happening and you're worrying about all these things happening rather than worrying about yourself and what you're doing. I think you could easily get into that situation. I, I, I love the stories of the old days of the British Empire when, you know, there was sort of a general was sent out to quell an uprising in India or something like that. And they had to um, basically write a letter which was then sort of taken back by various people, you know, on horseback and so on in a ship across to England. So by the time the people back in London found out what had happened, it was sort of three months since it happened. Mm. Okay, now then, um, we're going to have a, a spot about um, millennials because um, mm-hmm. you're in the news all the time, you millennials, now. It seems to be that everyone's picked up on this. I mean, two years ago, more than two years ago, we started this programme. We started discussions like that, and I think we were out on our own. And now everyone's listened to us and copied and started calling everything about millennials. Millennials. That is definitely what happened. I know. Yes. I do remember a producer from the BBC trying to poach you to one of their programmes once. Yes, I, I remember that too. Yes. That was a very fun day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so good news for you, millennials. Now, just to um, for listeners who are not remembering all this stuff, millennials basically are defined as people who were born from 1980 to the year 2000. So there's a 20-year period. And that means that millennials now are um, basically aged from around 16, 17, the very youngest, up to 37, I guess. Um, So one of the things is now that they actually make up or you make up half of the workforce in the UK, so it's just you just hit fifty percent. So you can't really talk about sort of millennials going into the workforce like it's a bit different because obviously for the last twenty years, basically, people have been moving into the workforce. Not twenty years, but the last ten years particularly. Anyway, so the good news is there was a report which says that your generation, the millennials, are going to inherit the largest amount of money ever inherited by the next generation. That's okay, good. That's good. That's good. I feel like a butt's coming along. There is a butt, but it won't happen until, on average, you millennials are 61 years old. I think, here's what I think. I think that us millennials are very keen on becoming new money. Very, the great Gatsby here, but um, new money as in making our own way in, in life. I think that's fine. And of course, there are a lot more people, young people these days, starting their own businesses and so on, which I think is really good. And it obviously stems partly from all the sort of television exposure, sort of being a business person. And I think that's that's very good. Um, the, the issue, though, here you see is that obviously your parents, and not just your parents, but your generation's parents, are uh, living longer and fitter and so on. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a lot longer before basically they pass on and pass on um, their wealth to you. Okay, that's fine. And I actually think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for humans to um, evolve and live longer and, you know, have a better life. Um, That's fine. But um, we're going to, like I say, we're going to have a better, a different life. Our life is going to be a lot more different than yours or my parents, for example. Well, I think that's obviously a lot of the things here. Um, work is changing. The nature of work is changing. We're getting back to that artificial intelligence yes. robots again. Let's not yes. go there. Um, but um, it means that, uh, yeah, a lot of things are different. And I've detected a millennial effect even on our high streets. You know, the, the cafe culture has really embedded more now. And you will go to any of these sort of coffee shops and you'll find there's always somebody youngish person sitting there with a laptop probably spending all day there with their one cup of coffee but that's um, a cheap workplace 
space, basically, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but because the jobs you do, you can do that. Um, you're not tied down to the old nine to five where you had to go, you know, in the office a certain time. Lunch was between 12 and one o'clock back on the dot or else you're marked down or whatever um, and that sort of thing is just something I don't think many of you would cope with at all because you would, wouldn't really understand why you had to do that and also why do you have to travel into London sit at a desk with an old-fashioned computer by your standards and you know only you know does that mean you're working it's this whole thing that work is not about what you're sort of sitting at a desk doing it's the job you do yeah. which is defined in terms of the the actual work you need to do and if you can do it on the train or in your bedroom it doesn't really matter yeah that is that is what you picked up on is actually the definition of my generation it's the work you do and the quality of the work that you do not how you actually get the job done I think. Well, I think it stems from the old factories where, you know, um, I mean, talking sort of 150 years ago, you had to turn up at the factory at 8 o'clock in the morning or even earlier sometimes, and you were then went to your machine and you spent all day working on this machine, pulling levers, winding things, whatever it was to make whatever it was you're making. And so people, obviously, the inspectors were there to check that you were there on time and spending the right number of hours doing this. They counted how many widgets you made or whatever it was. And that sort of thing was then moved on to the office culture of, I suppose, the 1950s onwards. Mm. And in the 1950s, you had, you know, typewriters, those old-fashioned things you pushed and keys went and printed on the paper. And uh, you didn't have photocopiers. You obviously didn't have computers and things. And in the computer era, it started... I mean, in my time still working, people were questioning, well, you know, if I can do this at home, and often I always said, well, I had a much better computer at home than the one in my office, which was really old-fashioned. And I said, well, it's really silly I'm doing this sort of stuff because I could do it much easier at home, so why can't I do that? And in fact, for a while, I was certainly allowed to do that, and many people were doing that. And it cut down on office space needed in London and all the rest of it. Um, so it was a change, but it, it just took a long time for that sort of change to go through. But your generation will not go and work in a big office like that. It just won't happen because you just wouldn't understand it at all. Yes. And we don't like it. It's well, no, I mean, boring. you won't like it. Of course, it's boring. And you're much more excited by something. And if you're excited by something, you may work till three o'clock in the morning to achieve it. But then again, I, you say that we don't understand it. We have gone through the whole school education system. So we are trained to do the whole nine to five, well, nine to five, nine to three o'clock thing <laughs> three o'clock three yeah. o'clock yeah i mean i think the um you're right the education system hasn't caught up either in many ways that's that's one of the issues mm. and it's only a couple of years ago they were still treating you know learning about computing was learning how to type a letter in word and do a little spreadsheet in excel that was regarded as being learning about computing and of course it's completely irrelevant to most things that you do these days knowing how to do a spreadsheet is useful and i as someone who went to a grammar school, I like people who can write letters actually in proper English. That's always quite a good skill to learn. Handwritten? Not necessarily, but oh. I mean, uh, using correct words and also the sort of punctuation and all those things which people don't seem very good at. Okay, so the bottom bit is always the one that I get caught on. Yours sincerely or yours faithfully? Well, that's only two options. There's plenty more, like yours, etc. Or you can even put just yours uh, on that note, I think we need to <laughs> wrap up the show. Oh my goodness, we got to the end already. Yes. Um, yes, thank you all for listening and hope you have enjoyed yourselves. You can l listen to us again next week. Uh, same time, same place. And you can listen to this programme again on the Listen Again feature on our website, radioverland.com. Yes, you can. And if you would like to get involved and tell us anything about 
what you think about our show you can on various sorts of ways that you already probably know 